Good evening, everyone. You guys are the quietest group ever. It's both awkward and eerie. I was planning to have to say, hey, be quiet. It's a church. But now I feel like, please say something. It feels awkward. So those of you who don't know me, uh, if this is your first time back to church since uh, quarantine and pandemic, let me just be the first one to say welcome back. And we're glad to have you. Uh, Father Walt changed into me while you were gone. So uh, I'm the new Father Walt, Father Ryan Mann. I've been here nine months, and uh, it's been a whirlwind of learning and things like that. But I, uh, one of the first things I did last year when I was here was confirmation. And it's very rare if you didn't know that for priests to do confirmation. It's usually always the bishop. But because of everything going on and everything, uh, the, the bishop said, uh, pastors can do it. So this is my second round and attempt at confirmations. First one uh, were valid, and I think they worked. So we're going to give it another shot. All right? I want to do two things. I want to tell you just real quick a story about my confirmation. And then I'm going to ask a few questions, and then we'll begin worshiping God. So I grew up at St. Mary's in Hudson, like 15, 20 minutes away. And they do confirmation, or they did, your junior year of high school. So pretty much one year older than you guys, right? You're sophomores, all right? Well, not ahead. Okay, cool. Anyone alive? Good enough? If you're not, I'm still going to do this. So great. Good. All right. So uh, we did junior year. But you need to know my dad was Jewish, and my mom was a lapsed Catholic, meaning she didn't really go. So when she came to me at the beginning of my junior year in all sweet, as good moms do, was like, Ryan, are you going to get confirmed? I was like, what? No. We, we hadn't been to church in years. Why would I do this all of a sudden? And I remember seeing her face, and she was crushed. And I remember thinking, like, why are you crushed? We don't even do this thing called, like, church. So I went through that year not even thinking anything about it. The next year, I'm a senior in high school. My girlfriend at the time is a junior. She was going to get confirmed. And I did a little research. This is what I learned. At that time, the confirmation program was once a month for eight months. And if I didn't do it, I had to go through RCIA, which was every week for nine months. So I did the math. And I was like, well, I'll just get confirmed as a junior in high school. It's way easier. All right? So I did. I went through confirmation program. I, got, uh, I, got, I went through the program. Now it's time to pick a name. So it's a junior, it's January, February time. You had to pick your name before confirmation, which was March 17th. I remember uh, confirmation was March 17th. It's my birthday. So you had to pick a name. At this point, I'm on a full ride scholarship for jazz trumpet performance. And I remembered a black and white movie, jazz movie I saw, where the phrase was, Gabriel, blow your horn. So I thought, perfect, Gabriel's a saint. I'm going to play trumpet. I'll choose Gabriel. That was as much thought as went into it. Great. All right, perfect. Boom, done. I'm going to save time. I'll choose Gabriel because I'm playing trumpet. All right, and my girlfriend's getting confirmed. No Jesus, no God, no any of the prayers, nothing. That's where I was. There was 145 of us getting confirmed. My last name is Mann. And if you have a last name of M, you're always in the middle. So around 70. So I saw 60-some people go before the bishop in front of me, and he said things like, Cecilia, be sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit. Francis, be sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I'm watching them go ahead of me, and I'm thinking, all right, I see how this works. I get up there. My sponsor says, Bishop, I present to you Gabriel. And the bishop paused and said, Gabriel, do you know what Gabriel does? And I thought, whoa, hey, buddy. Like, there was no chit-chat before me. Let's just get this thing going. 
And he says, he goes, so do you know? And I was like, oh, it was, you know, maybe you want to remind me. <laughs> and he said, Gabriel is the patron saint of God's messenger. It's going to be the task for the rest of your life to deliver God's message. Now, I thought, can we do it now? Can you do this cross and move on? Because <laughs> people are going to wonder what's happening up front. <laughs> he said, a Gabriel be sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit. I went home. Didn't think anything of it. I was 18. Go off to jazz school. I finally, a year later, go to confession. Because you're supposed to go during the confirmation program, but I skipped that day. And I hadn't been to confession since my first communion. I go to confession, confess, do the best I can at it. And the church's teaching is, is that the power of the confirmation stays in your soul until the next time you are in this state of grace. So if some of you know, boy, I haven't been to confession in a long time, the, con the confirmation, it's going to stay in you like a time-released pill. And the next time you go to confession, you both get absolution and the rushing in of the Holy Spirit. How do I know this? Because I went to confession did the best confession I could, went to pray after that, and my life was transformed. I found out Jesus was real, and this thing called love wasn't weak, but a power that changed me. After jazz, I quit jazz school, and I enrolled in improv comedy school. That's what everyone does. And then after that, I went and I joined the seminary. Nine years later, I became a priest. Right? Now, if you're like, well, I don't want to be a priest, maybe I shouldn't get confirmed. It doesn't work like that, okay? But what you need to know is some of you are on fire, and that's awesome. Some of you are like, I can't wait. I actually believe in this. I've been studying this. I'm excited. I've been praying. I'm really ready. And if that's where you're at, thanks be to God. Some of you, though, are like me. You're like, listen, mom and dad are happy, all right? It's something I just wanted to check off the list on my way out of high school. So I'm doing this, they're happy, grandma and grandpa are watching and live stream, they're gonna be happy, let's just not make a big deal and move right along. If that's where you're at, that's where you're at, right? God is all powerful. He doesn't need you to have your life together in order to show you how important you are. He's God. And so whether you are on fire or you're like, hey buddy, enough with the Jesus talk already. No matter where you're at on that spectrum, the sacrament is going to take place today. The Holy Spirit is going to touch the deepest part of who you are. And there's going to be a planting of God in you. That's going to stay in there. For some of you, it's going to take power tonight. It's going to be amazing. For some of you, it's just going to remain there. Until one day, in the ways that God the Father works, he draws you into the confessional where you say, I got to get honest with God. I got to get my life back in the light of the gospel. And at that point, like me, you're going to find out that he will transform you and your life is going to look different, but more meaningful and more beautiful. So either way, in my perspective, today's an awesome night. I'm very full of joy for all of you. And I'm excited to see what is it that God wants to do with you and for you. So let me ask a few questions, like I said. <clears throat> Can anyone name one gift of the Holy Spirit? There's seven of them, so who can name one gift? Raise your hand. Who can name one gift of the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Wisdom. Great. Yeah, that's the first one they always list. You know the first one. You're good. You're done for the rest of the night. You just can chill now. Good. Wisdom. What's the second one? Shout it out nice and loud. 
Not wait, okay, we're going in order. Okay, good. Knowledge, well done. Is there a third mind one? Can anyone think of something that has to way in the back? Understanding, very smart group. We're dealing with the intellectual gifts. Great. Any other gift you want to name? Any other gift at all? Piety, yeah. That's the one that all of us are kind of like, do I want to be that way? Does that mean like carrying rosaries all day long? What's that mean? Piety just means like, like you're sensitive to God, right? Any others? Do we know any others? It's like a cattle call of Holy Spirit gifts. Anyone else? Any other gifts? Anyone think of anything else? Going once, going twice. Fear of the Lord. Did you know fear of the Lord means two things? One, if like a 20-foot man came barging in here, you'd be afraid because who is 20 feet tall? Well, God is gigantic. So there's a part of it of the fear of the immensity of God. But the other part is when you're in the presence of someone who's able to speak into your life perfectly and you feel seen, there's like an awe. That's the gift of the Holy Spirit, being in awe that God can see me and know me. So I want to do, I just want to lead you through a prayer right now, and then we'll begin Mass in a little bit. Okay? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, you know each one of the candidates that you're going to share your own power with tonight. You care about them, and you know the difficulties in their lives. You know their lukewarmness at times. You also know the beauty and grace at work in them. So we lift all of these sons and daughters of God up to you. In a special way, anyone here tonight who just doesn't even believe, we ask that in your own way you would bless them and you'd remind them that they are free. May tonight's Mass be a time where you use the church, Lord, to celebrate and confer on us divine life. Help us to be open to you. We're going to take a few moments of silence. I just ask in the silence of your heart, you say maybe the most honest thing you can. Jesus, I'm really excited. Jesus, I don't know if you're real, but I'm here. Just in the silence of your heart, say the most honest prayer you can, and Mass will begin shortly. Thank you. I think we have an imagination problem. Because I think when you and I imagine the word holy, we think of like kind of boring. Or when we think of someone of like a church person or a saint, we kind of think of plastic statues and airbrushed holy cards that grandma or grandpa may have in their Bible. And so when we think of these things, our hearts rightfully go, eh. It's like, eh, I know it's nice, but eh. And so what we need is truth. What really is it like for someone to be holy? What really is it like for someone to be animated by the Holy Spirit? Because that's what God's given out tonight. God ain't given out a bunch of lessons on church teaching. That hopefully has happened and will continue to happen. What he's given out is the Holy Spirit upon each one of you uniquely. And if we're busy thinking, oh, I don't want what he's given, then there's going to be a problem. 
So I want to tell a story that no one here probably knows about St. Mother Teresa. Raise your hand if you've heard of St. Mother Teresa, just so I know, in case i got to do a little legwork about who she is. Okay, great. She served the poorest of the poor in India mainly, but she started a religious order and they went everywhere. All right. Why do I know this story about her? Because there was an, there's a priest who's 96 years old who lives in Scranton, Pennsylvania, not where the office was filmed, but anyway, for Scranton, Pennsylvania, he was her spiritual director for many years and he was mine as well. So he knows this story firsthand. Little nun, about five foot nothing, has no money to her name. All she has is a group of followers. They dress in what the poor people wear in India. They wake up every day at five in the morning and do Eucharistic adoration for an hour and then spend the whole day going out into the streets and finding men and women who are dying, who have open sores where worms are climbing in and out of their body. They smell ungodly. These nuns pick them up and bring them into their home, and they have meals with them, they sing songs with them, so that they won't die alone. This is a beautiful ministry in the world. Well, every country she wants her community to go to, she meets with the leader of that country. And she wanted to go to China. Now, what you may or may not know about the leader of China is he actively has killed priests and nuns for decades. He does not like the Catholic Church. He's actively killed them, seeing them as subversive to his power over the people. So he doesn't like them. A little five-foot-nothing nun goes to meet with him. Okay? She goes and has a meeting with him. And every country she ever went to, she would say this. They said, what do you want to do in our country? She would say, I just want to serve the poorest of the poor. And almost every leader's like, great, go wild. What do, we, do you need anything? She just says, no. Okay, great, go wild. She's now sitting in front of a man who's known for countless murders. He has his military agents behind him with guns. And there she is, poor. Her toes are arthritic, bony because she fasts. No worldly glamour or beauty, wrinkled face, five foot nothing. And he goes, what do you want from me? And she says, I want to honor Jesus Christ and Mary by serving the poorest of the poor in your country. They said, you could have heard a pin drop in that room. He said, I'm sorry, what did you say? She said, I want to serve and honor Jesus Christ by taking care of the poorest of the poor in your country. That kind of speech had led hundreds of people to being killed by this man. She had power. She had strength. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Let me tell you another story. St. Catherine Drexel lived in the United States. Lived in Philadelphia, actually. She actually stopped in Cleveland, Ohio. So if you go to the cathedral downtown, St. John's, there's a statue of her because she spent a little time in Cleveland. St. Catherine Drexel was a part of a billionaire family. They weren't billionaires back then, but if you translate the amount of wealth, she'd be a billionaire. And she noticed when she traveled with her mom and dad 
that Native Americans and African Americans were treated really poorly. They weren't given education. They had no chance at college. They weren't given hospitals to take care of them because they were seen as dirty and subhuman. And so the basic consensus was, they're bad, stay away. Her mom and dad died when she was young and she got to meet with the Pope. She meets with the Pope and says, you gotta do something for the Native Americans and African Americans in the United States because they're being treated like less than human. And he looks at her and says, why don't you do something about it? She said the Holy Spirit pierced her and she gave up her billions to start colleges. You ever heard of Drexel University? That's St. Catherine Drexel. She started homes, universities, grade schools. She went all, she had started all sorts of people teaching on different reservations and in these just terrible homes so that people could know how to read and have jobs. How do you spend your life? She was mocked. She was abandoned by family and friends. She left the upper echelons of being able to have steak or lobster or nice travels or she gave it all up. What gives someone the ability to do this? To live for God? To change the culture and the world? It's the Holy Spirit. Now, we don't necessarily need someone starting new universities. We don't need you talking to the head of China. But we need you. Biologically and scientifically, it is an anomaly that you exist. You can go back to health class and reread your notes. We're not going to talk about that here, but... It's an anomaly you exist. One in multiple, multiple million of a chance that you would exist with your genetic code, with your DNA. Because God wanted this world to have a you in it. God, when he painted the world like a painter, envisioned you in it, fully alive, fully with your gifts and passions and desires, fully engaged. And so he sent his son Jesus to transform us, to free us from all the ways we're afraid, all the ways we feel like we got to be strong and prove ourselves, all the ways we feel depleted and insecure. He gave us a power to set us free so that when we live and we relate to other people, we're free. I don't got to be a certain way. Because I know God made me, me. That's what happens today. You heard in the first reading, there will be a power that comes upon you when the Holy Spirit is given you. You and I are such victims to only destructive power. The power of politicians the power of war, the power of weapons, the power of money. We only know the word power in terms of destruction. But God's power creates life. God's power creates happiness. God's power creates freedom and joy. God's power creates meaning, 
where there was despair. God's power raises people from the dead. This is the God we worship. This is the God that we pray and hope you follow. And this is the God who doesn't stay absent, but will invade your soul today through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That when I say be sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit, we don't mean like a Ziploc bag. We mean receive the mark of God on your soul. Not even the Pope can remove this. It's from God. And you will possess it with great dignity. It began in baptism. You receive the fullness today. And every time you receive the Eucharist, it deepens and deepens. And so we begin this ritual by renewing your baptismal promises that you can set the world on fire so that you will not be like anybody else. You will be not anybody and you will not be nobody. You will be somebody. And that is called the image of God. And so I invite those to receive confirmation to please stand and we will renew our baptismal promises. I ask you, like, loudly to say, I do, if you do. Do you renounce Satan and all his empty promises and all his works? I'm going to do it one more time because it was like a muted I do. It was like a C plus. All right, try one more time. Do you renounce Satan and all his works and empty promises? Okay, B plus. One more time. Do you renounce Satan and all his works and empty promises? Great. Do you believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth? Don't give up on me now. Do you believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was born of the Virgin Mary, suffered death and was buried, rose again from the dead, and is seated at the right hand of the Father? Do you believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who today through the sacrament of confirmation is given to you in a special way just as he was given to the apostles on the day of Pentecost. Do you believe in the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting? This is our faith. This is the faith of the church. We are proud to profess it. In Christ our Lord, amen. There's a very ancient symbol in the church of a laying on of hands. It comes to us in the Acts of the Apostles. For 2,000 years, the Holy Spirit is passed on from one person to the next by prayer and a laying on of hands. And so I'm going to extend my hands over you in just a moment. But I ask that, dearly beloved, everyone here in live stream, Pray to God the Father with me for these, his sons and daughters, already born through baptism, that he will graciously pour out the Holy Spirit upon them to confirm them with abundant gifts and through his anointing, conform them more fully to Christ, the Son of God. And so in silence, I ask you to bow your head and pray for yourselves and one another.